And welcome in, everybody, to Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media and DSP Media Productions. Find us also at dspmediaonline.com. I'm Brady Tinker. It is a beautiful, crisp Friday afternoon. Reminds me of the holidays and reminds me of Cowboys football time. And let's get this thing figured out together as the Cowboys travel to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. And we will start with this. It is a shocking loss that everyone is still dealing with to Green Bay when the first time in 196 games the Cowboys lose a 14-point lead when going to the fourth quarter. 14 points in the fourth quarter, and you probably said to yourself you didn't see the whole game. Aaron Rodgers did it to us again. Sort of, but he only threw six passes in the first half and 10 in the second half. The truth is the Cowboys did it to themselves, and that's the part that probably hurts the most. They started terribly because of a couple of poor routes, couple of interceptions. They fought back to get even at halftime, and they jumped out 14 points ahead in the third quarter and looked like they had taken all the bad things that were going to come and turned them into a win over a team you're supposed to beat because the Packers are down, and then it didn't happen. So now the 6-2 and two Cowboys, who we really didn't have any bitches about at all through the first eight games, right? I mean, you were going to lose to Tampa in the opener, especially when your quarterback got hurt, and then you were going to tank, only you didn't. Because Cooper Rush and Mike McCarthy and the defense, and all of a sudden you get six and one, six and two, everything's good. But that one hurts. And now the tenor in the locker room and amongst us and amongst the media and everyone else is sort of, uh oh, because now we got to go to Minnesota. And then the Giants come to town four days later for Thanksgiving. And are we in trouble? Because we'd heard about cracks in the foundation of the run defense, but now they're really showing up. Three 200-yard games is not very good. That's what we're going to do for the rest of this hour on Off of the Helmets. I'm Brady Tinker. I'm so glad you're here. So normally we do a little and next, and it would be very dramatic. Instead, let's just get to this shit. Quotes, because I thought these were interesting during the week. You may have heard some, you may not have. I'm hitting you with some quotes right here on Off of the Helmets, courtesy of DSP Media Productions. Dak Prescott said on Wednesday, this is a playoff game, quote, we know what this means in our division and in the NFC. It's about going up there, putting our best foot forward to show the team the team that we are in all aspects. A little bit generic, but I like the part where he said this is a playoff game. Zeke Elliott, about his playing ability or his ability to play. I'm optimistic, quote, about this week. Barring any setbacks the next couple of days, I feel good. I feel as good as I felt this early in the week. This was also Wednesday. This early in the week since I was injured. I'm in a very good spot. He plans to wear a knee brace if he's going to play. At this point, we feel like he's going to play. He was involved in practice on Thursday and Friday, not just on the side in drills. Micah Parsons. Whether I have three sacks, this is a quote, whether I have three sacks, zero sacks, or 20 tackles or no tackles, all I want to do is win. And what I want is people to be around me who want to win as badly as I do. Not sure that's an insinuation that he feels that there aren't. I think that's a blanket statement of all I give a shit about is winning. You can line me up wherever you want. Ask me to do whatever you want. I think in between, but we have to do it together. Because later in the week, or early after the game, sorry, he said, quote, this is going to keep happening if guys continue to do things on their own, referencing the running game issues that they are having on defense. So as we look at this game, Dak Prescott, you look some bubbly news, is 4-1 and one versus Minnesota in his career. He does seem healthy. You'll remember at the eh, from the week two on as he was getting ready to come back, I was 
on all of you saying, listen, he's still got a lower body issue. If you watch the first game and that week interception he threw, he didn't step into it. He had a run that he didn't want to run, and he took a header just to get away from being tackled. That was a guy that was still doubting his lower body issues, specifically the restructured ankle, knee, all of it that happened in that catastrophic injury. I think I was right about that. I think the deck that I watched last week is no longer concerned about getting hurt. So check. He's four and one against Minnesota. Check. He's thrown six touchdowns, but four interceptions. That one will slow you down. You remember his rookie year, he threw 23 touchdowns and four interceptions. He has not been an interception quarterback. So these are odd. And a couple of them at least are the problem uh, or the fault of the wide receiver and or the tight end who run to the to the safety and are supposed to cross the face of the safety one way or another. That's the terminology. He's supposed to get to the safety and cross the face of the safety. Dax throwing this on a timing situation. He's letting it loose. He trusts that CD Lamb's going to do what he's supposed to do. Not so sure that any of us think option routes are the way to go with CD Lamb very often anymore. So CD Lamb, 11 catches out of 15 balls tossed his way, 150 yards and two touchdowns, probably his best game as a pro in a 31-28 loss at Green Bay. His first 100-yard game of the year, he's averaging 5.8 catches, 13.3 yards. He has five touchdowns and he has 706 yards in nine games. Doesn't sound bad, right? Sounds pretty good. Sounds something close to a number one wide receiver, except for a few things. 60% catch rate, 60%. Give you an example, Devontae Adams, maybe not quite a fair comparison, but a number one, caught 73% of his passes last year, 73%. Go to the safety and turn right. We heard Shannon Sharp and others all over the television who have run routes and who know exactly what this looks like screaming, literally screaming, saying, he's got to cross the face of the safety. That's exactly what his quarterback thinks he's, he's going to do. And Shannon then said, if I got to a point where I got knocked off my route a little bit, as Dalton Schultz said he did on his in the end zone, then what I would do is attack the safety and run into him. At the very least, he wasn't going to intercept this ball being thrown that way. If I couldn't get to where I was supposed to be, get my hands around, get my numbers, then run into the safety. So it's an incomplete pass. CD went behind the safety as if, I don't know what. And Dak sort of got even, or sorry, Dalton Schultz sort of got even with him, had trouble getting around him to get in front of him. And you could tell that he was trying to do the right thing, but just flatly didn't get it done. Back to the CD, CD Lamb issue. These are casual routes. These are inexact routes from a young man who's got fantastic feet and hips. He's not dumb. He's played a high level of football his entire life. He knows the plays. He knows the requirements. And yet, throughout this entire season and really throughout his entire career, he's been Des Bryant in many ways. Not as explosive to go get the ball, but in other ways, is he creative with his routes? Yes. Does he drift? Yes. Does he seem to not quite understand settling in a certain spot on his own sometimes and or crossing in front of the safety or getting exactly where he's supposed to be or eight steps and put your foot in the ground exactly? Yes can't be true. It can't be true that he doesn't understand. So now it has to be true that he's making decisions on his own as he runs routes. That seems to be the case of this ain't going to be open or I'm not going to be able to get where I need to be. So I'm going to make it up and go somewhere else. Those things won't work. It's not different from what Micah Parsons was talking about when he said this will happen if other guys continue to do their own things on defense. 
There are 11 guys out there. It's an orchestrated dance at, at times with where everyone is supposed to be. Gaps, angles, leverage, all the things that, that offensive and defensive players have been taught since they were kids on the sleds, the angles with it. Everything is about not just strength and length and ability to run fast or get there or see it and do it right. It's also predicated on being in the right place. It has been since they were in Pop Warner. It really is now at the NFL level because all those men in the nickel and dime defense that are five, six, seven guys back there are long, skinny, fast, and more and more times there's less man-to-man -man defense, which means they're all looking at the football. If they're looking in the football and it gets thrown the wrong place, it's going to get intercepted. Dak has six touchdowns and four interceptions. Could Michael Gallup be a one? Let's just say no, just because he's played 15 games total in the last two years. He's been hurt. Um, he doesn't seem to be the type of receiver that you're going to put in every spot on the field where you say, we never know where he's going to line up. You pretty much know where Michael's going to line up and the routes that he's best at. And he's not at the top of his game physically. Noah Brown was excellent in the first three games where he got an opportunity this year to play a lot, a lot of balls thrown his way, a lot of catches. He looked like, especially um, he and the backup quarterback uh, had a thing, which makes sense because they've both been backup players here for five years. But now Noah Brown is nursing a few injuries. He's not quite at the top of his game. James Washington, you may keep thinking about this, acquired in the offseason, a guy who can get deep. They got him from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Hasn't played yet. He's probably still at least three weeks, weeks away from playing. Jalen Tolbert was a third-round pick. This happens. A third-round pick for the Dallas Cowboys. His contribution last week was lining up offsides on a key play by probably about three feet. I'm going to stop saying someone coach him up and get Jalen Tolbert in the game because he's got good hips and feet. I'm going to stop saying it. Cavante Turpin interests me, but he weighs about 116 pounds. And don't we all believe special teams have been a big part of what this Cowboys team is doing right? Turpin returning kicks and punts and the occasional end around is probably all you can ask. Almost too valuable to try and force him onto the field for 10 or 15 plays and see if he can catch a slant and run away. So that's it. That's your receiving core on an offense that we've stated has to incrementally get better as the playoffs get here because you're going to be behind 14 to nothing sometimes. You just are. Circumstances happen. Bad calls, bad bounces, fumbles, turnovers, uh, people not running the right route. Whatever's going to happen, it's not always going to go according to plan. We know that. Watch lots of football. So what do we have to do? Now you have to get Odell Beckham. It's no longer a boy, wouldn't this be nice? It's, you have to get Odell Beckham. His posse, best I can tell, said yesterday, Thursday, looks like it's a coin flip between the Cowboys and the Giants. Now, we've heard for the last couple of years that Odell prefers to play out the rest of his career in a warm climate. It does get cold here in the wintertime, but not for very long. This is a warm climate. He signed last year in LA with the Rams. The Cowboys make a lot more sense at night. Doubt he wants to go back to the New York people and the New York media as opposed to what we offer here with our kind people and our much more laid back media. In all honesty, we are dogged at what we do, but we're much kinder about it. I've been to plenty of games in, in New York at the Meadowlands. We're kinder. It's easier to deal with the media here. We're more apt to what Bill Parcells say, feed you the cheese. So Odell wants to be a cowboy. And the Cowboys now, between us, we decided on Wednesday, absolutely, this is no longer a luxury. They need Odell Beckham Jr., which is probably going to cost Stephen Jones more money than he wants. 
for more years than he wants. The estimation of a, quote, fair contract for Odell is somewhere in that $18 million a year range, but it more likely will be 20. And he'll sign a contract for the rest of this year and probably two more years. Risky. Based on two straight ACL injuries of a man who's 30 years old, be 31 next year when the season starts. Risky. No doubt about it, especially at 20 million a year. You may also be saying, what the hell are you talking about? We had Amari Cooper. He was 20 million a year. We didn't want him. He wasn't what we wanted. Well, that's because Amari tends to stand on the sidelines sometimes out of sheer boredom, even when the game's on the line. I don't think that's the case with Odell. And I don't think there are any more personality issues with Odell. He now appreciates his career and how much of it is left. And he wants to win. Proud of the Super Bowl last year, which is he hadn't gotten hurt. Odell Beckham Jr. is now a necessity for a Cowboys. Necessity saying that we give a shit about going as far as we can go. But we do. You and I do. Stephen Jones said, this is a team on a championship run, quote. Jerry Jones said, this may be the single best defense that we've ever had since I've been here. Now, I think back to the 92 and 93 teams, and those were two of the best teams I'd ever seen play football. But but we can, we can haggle over that. And now you're certainly saying, well, I'll call bullshit on that in the last two, three weeks. I got you. Odell needs to be here. The people in the running were the Bills, the Chiefs, cold and cold. The 49ers, always cold. You're always cold in San Francisco. The Giants and the Cowboys. There's really only one warm weather team. Steven's got to pull out his wallet and pay. The Cowboys have roughly $18 million of salary cap space as it pertains to this year. No problem getting him under the cap space there. Whatever the prorated amount will be, it will be. Odell says, and his people say he wants to sign by the end of November. Let's say that's Monday the 28th, right, after the games that are on the 27th. That would allow him an extra week to get up to speed and finally get into some games for the last five games of the year. doesn't matter to me if it's four or three. I want him to feel ready and as close to 100% as he can. Doctors have cleared him in the last couple of weeks to start working out. He has not signed a contract yet. Says to me he's not quite ready and or he doesn't necessarily want to play this many games and or he's not ready to come in, get his head uh, in the books and figure out this Cowboys offense and see what the differences are. There's a reason he hasn't signed, and I don't think it's money. I don't think they've gotten that far. Has Steven been on this and building these contracts for two weeks since I reported two weeks ago the Cowboys were working on a contract for Odell? Yes. The Cowboys are ready for this. Jerry wants this to happen. It seems like it absolutely has to happen as long as Odell is willing. So we head to U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis. Here we go. The Vikings have won seven straight games. They are 8-1. and one. They are 4-0 at home. And they have actually some pretty impressive wins over Green Bay. Say what you will. Miami, certainly good. And Buffalo. If you watched the Buffalo game last week, they may have been fortunate. But they were at Buffalo. They stayed in the game. They had a chance to win right up until the end. And a Buffalo fumble with 45 seconds left to go in the game in their own end zone leads to a Minnesota touchdown, which is essentially a walk-off win for the Vikings. Maybe they were lucky. But good things happen to good teams. Good things happen to good players. Good things happen to people who are in the right place at the right time. All well-coached things. Not very well said. Justin Jefferson, so comparative sake, if you want to, for C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb at 706 yards through nine games. Justin Jefferson has 1,060 yards through nine games. Probably the best receiver in football. Adam Thielen, his teammate, has 510 and has been a very good route runner and is one of those guys, uh, interestingly, that's always in the right place. K.J. Osborne's not bad either. Then they acquired tight end T.J. Hawkinson, who we've already seen this year when he was with Detroit. 
They acquired Hawkinson, and in two games, he has 16 catches, nine and seven. Hawkinson is going to be a big part of this game. First of all, um, Kirk Cousins always like throwing the ball to the tight end. Now he's got a top three or four tight end in the NFL who's young, big and fast, sort of Kelsey-like, not Kelsey, but sort of Kelsey-like. He's good. And he has 510 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, the majority of that, except for the last two games, are in Detroit. Dalvin Cook is a powerful yet game-breaking tight end who had an 81-yard touchdown run just a game or two ago. Um, he gets 81 yards a game rushing, roughly, roughly 20 receiving. He has seven touchdowns in nine games, and he is a hell of a player, and his backup is more than capable. So this team has rushed for 12 rushing touchdowns. On defense, they have some good players. Daniel Hunter is a great linebacker. Zadarius Smith, defensive end linebacker, a little later in his career, but he's an impact guy. Kendricks, the linebacker, is a very good player. Harrison Smith, the safety, is a very good player. Cornerback Patrick Peterson, we all know, has been around for, it seems like, 21 years, but still will be one of those wily, crafty veterans. They have good players on this team. Their defense has been pretty good, sort of Kansas City-ish, pretty good and good in the right times when needed. I guess you would say. So what does that lead you to believe? I'm not sure. They can be had. Their rushing defense gives up 4.5 yards per carry, and they have given up 10 touchdowns. Their rushing offense, flipping the coin real quick, in Minnesota has rushed for 4.5 yards per carry and 12 touchdowns in nine games. They run the ball effectively. They have wonderful receivers and a wonderful tight end. And Kirk Cousins, to be honest with you, has been eh. I think he's sitting on 14 touchdowns and six or seven interceptions. So there were a few in circles that I run in who do I do shows with who were saying Kirk Cousins is going to win MVP. We all knew that wasn't the truth. He's not a big game primetime quarterback. But in the regular season, he's put up some really good years, years that are better than this. His, his career QBR is probably 97. Pretty good. He's had a good career. He hasn't been especially great this year, but the Vikings continue to win. And this may be perfect for that head coach who says, you see, you don't have to throw 42 times a game for this team to win. Trust Dalvin Cook, trust his offensive line, trust the defense, and we'll win games, and he's looking prophetic. By the way, did you know, I mean, if you're playing fantasy football, then you realize this. It's been a weird year and a hard year for fantasy football players. Probably in your league, you're somewhere in the middle because almost everyone is. So many injuries because nobody hits or tackles in training camp, so everybody begins to get hurt by week four of the NFL season. That's not going to change. That's in the hands of the NFL Players Association. They're not going to be padded and put helmets on more. It is what it is. But the other thing is, there are so many defenses playing nickel and dime defense about 80% of the time. Means five, six, or seven guys in the secondary. More and more of them are playing zone. So they're all looking at what's coming at them. I much prefer that, especially with these athletes that are this good these days. You don't have to play man-to-man coverage where your cornerback is never looking at the football until the guy turns around, all of that shit. I'm, I'm tired of cornerbacks being even with the wide receiver and having no chance to make the play. Aren't you? I, I'm, I'm tired of it. Cowboys play a lot of zone. I like it. And what you've seen the last year and a half is a whole bunch of talented corners and safeties who are so athletic that they're getting eyes on the ball and they're making plays on the ball and they're generating turnovers. Not, th- not as many this year as last, but plenty. The Vikings give up 118 yards per game on the ground. The Cowboys now 143. It's a pretty big number. It's a pretty big number. But the number I was going to tell you is the NFL this year through 10 weeks, right? We're heading to week 11. 
the average yards per carry in the NFL is 5.1. The biggest number at this point, and it would be the biggest number in 35 years in the NFL. I don't think we're going old school. I think there are five, six, and seven skinny cornerbacks and safeties out there. And when the quarterback comes in the line of scrimmage and he's got a run pass option or he's looking at his reads, he looks up and he says, I got five or six, including a tight end here, blocking four, one linebacker and six cornerbacks. I'm supposed to run. I'm supposed to turn around and hand this ball off. If you've got a guy with a pulse, even Kansas City's running the ball more. You you look, Mahomes looks out there and he's like, it's my job. I, I have to hand off and we'll get four. Or as the NFL tells us, we'll get 5.1, second and 4.9. It's pretty easy in this league. Interesting stuff and something that has affected all of us and the games that we're watching. And you see, if you bet it all, how many unders are hitting? Tons. You want some unders? Look at who do I have for you? Uh, doggone, I'll think of it in a minute. Oh, Indianapolis is under on 13 of their last 15 games. So if you want to look at Indianapolis coached by Jeff Saturday and think about how that game is going to turn out this week, note Indianapolis under 13 in the last 15 games. And the truth is, the deeper I get into this gambling thing, really heavy gamblers who win more than the rest of us win, love the under, especially in the NFL and especially this year. So Dan Quinn tells us that the defense has a crack fish, nope, a crack fix issue. Apparently that means that, that wide receivers on occasion, a tight end will come from lined up wide and crack down on the defensive end on one side or the other. Obviously, they're not going to hurt them much, but they may redirect them a little bit off of their spot, which then leads to runs on the edge. We're seeing that, right? So what happens when Tank Lawrence gets redirected slightly is a cornerback, whoever is in the region at the time that's the closest, Diggs, whoever it may be, Anthony Brown steps into the spot that he was at on the defensive end side to hold up the edge. You've heard everybody talk about that. He's got it. We got to hold the edge. Tank Lawrence, one of the best in the NFL throughout his career of being in the right place where he's supposed to be. He loves to tell me, watch the film, watch the film, shut the fuck up and watch the film. You see where I am. I'm always where I'm supposed to be. Truth is he is a little less this year. Because the two defensive ends or the four guys who line up at defensive end, basically when they think it's a passing down, are firing up the football field. That's the reason they are second in the NFL in sacks. That's part of it. But when you're firing up the football field and people begin to notice and they run a draw and you're not in your spot and the crack fix person, cornerback most likely, hasn't come up to aggressively come up to the line of scrimmage to hold the edge. He's wandered up. I've watched Diggs a few times on this. He's sort of meandering to the right spot. Doesn't really want to. Um, running backs running downhill who haven't been touched by the time they get to that spot are pain in the ass to tackle. Dalvin Cook isn't huge, but he's a solid 200 pounds, 198, 200 pounds, who runs pretty damn well straight. And when he's running straight, they refer to that essentially as downhill. He's got a head of steam. And here I am at whatever I am, six feet one, 188 pounds, and I'm supposed to tackle him. And I'm really supposed to keep my head up and form tackle his ass. I don't want to. And there's a lot of I don't want to out of the cornerbacks on this team. And when you're in week 11, they're beat up. I don't blame them. But the truth is, the best teams have a lot of I want to. And it's not one guy. Four guys get there. Five guys get there. Team tackling, gang tackling. Everyone who's got eyes on this can see this. And everyone can help. And they're going to have to. 
Sam Williams, Dante Fowler, Tank Lawrence, and Dorrance Armstrong are your defensive ends, and certainly to a lesser degree, whenever he wants to, Micah Parsons. And it's been less lately. Not sure why, but Micah Parsons has been drifting more, which I always thought I appreciated, to be honest with you, because he's not big enough to go against uh, offensive tackles for 50 plays in a game. They're too big. They'll put too much on him. He'll have to come out of the game too often, and I want Micah Parsons on the field every down, which won't happen, but I want him on the field a lot, as do you. Anthony Barr supposedly headed back for this game. Uh, Damone Clark, who's been playing more than we ever thought he would, will be ready as well. But what happens is Anthony Barr, Damone Clark, Leighton Vander Esch lately have been in, they're in a spot, if you will, when the crackback cornerback doesn't come up, when the middle of the defensive line is stunting. We saw it a couple times last week. They're stunting, and Micah's all by himself, only I'm finding out they weren't stunting. So maybe the two of them made this up on their own, but they didn't tell anybody else. So Micah Parsons is in a hole that's big enough to drive two big F-150s through, and he's supposed to be able to stop the run, no matter how fast he is. It's a tough spot for him, for uh, Anthony Barr, for Damone Clark, for whoever's playing cornerback. It's, it's something that needs to be shored up. Here we go. So Tank's got an ankle. He reports to us both ankles hurt and his knee. There was also a reference from one of the writers that I like a lot that maybe he thought he had broken another bone, the same foot that he had surgically repaired. I can't see how that's the case because he's been at practice on the end of bungee cords going back and forth. If he had that broken bone, if you've ever had that, that small metacarsal bone or whatever, anything like that broke, it hurts. It hurts like hell. He's not out there at the end of a bungee cord if he's got another broken bone in his foot. So push that aside. Uh, Micah has a groin, a hammy, and a little bit something inside his knee. We all saw it four or five weeks ago when he stepped odd on the sidelines. Then you favor it. Then it turns into a hamstring, et cetera. He's not been 100%. He won't say a word. Jordan Lewis is gone. J. Ron Curses missed three games, but he's back. Malik Hooker missed a game. Donovan Wilson, who we know will hit. But let's be honest, those safeties like to hit when they got a perfect angle and when people don't necessarily see them coming. It is not the step into the crack and shore you up and hit you on the defensive line type of hit. But Donovan Wilson will hit. And all three of those guys, Curse, Hooker, and Wilson, are huge parts of this Dan Quinn defense. Absolutely massive parts. They have to be good. Deron Bland is the kid who's had to step in when Jordan Lewis left. He's a really good player, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. Kelvin Joseph, we drafted the kid in, what, the second or third round? two or three years ago, he has to get better. Anthony Brown isn't 100% healthy. I'm not sure if he's playing. And Diggs tackles better some games than others. All of them have to be better and more willing. The disposition has to be correct. The defensive tackles, Bohanna, Neville Gallimore, Oseo Digizua, and thank goodness for Jonathan Hankins, again, have to be in their gaps. Gap responsibility. It has to be there. This team has to win this game, not just for the record that they would fall to 6-4 and four if they lost. It's not over if that happens. But you don't want what's happened this week to start. And that is not finger pointing. I don't feel that. I feel anger. I'm okay with that. But it carried all through the week. It hasn't stopped. So anger, angst, thoughts other than what your job is, thoughts other than the film work that you've been doing and what your job is this week and the keys when you look up there as a defense player, what's supposed to happen, or as the quarterback. Those things, if you are distracted, you won't be as good. Minnesota's not a great team. They are 8-1. and one. Their quarterback is not great. They've been fortunate in several games, but as we said, good things do happen to good teams. This is a team, a game the Cowboys can win. It's also a game that will most likely come down to the end. You're looking at 27-24. You're looking at a three-point game most likely, and the difference in these games is turnovers. Dak's got to stop it. He has to – I don't know. 
They say that those throws into the end zone are timing routes. You got to cut it loose. As I'm looking at those plays over and over again, it looks to me like there's no chance in hell either one of those wide receivers are getting past the safety and getting open. Check it down. I just don't think Rodgers, Brady, Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen would have maybe Josh Allen would have made those throws. That's all I'm saying. What the hell do I know? Win this game and get to seven and three. In four days, you play the New York Giants at, uh, on Thanksgiving, and you can get yourself to eight and three. The next three games are Indy, Houston, and Jacksonville. That sounds pretty juicy to me. And all of a sudden, if it goes like we want, you're 11 and three. You're damn happy with this season to, to that point. And maybe Philadelphia has lost one more game in there. And on December 24th, you'll be playing Philadelphia here on Christmas Eve to get to a record where you're tied. That would be fantastic. It's not necessary but it would be fantastic. And it is something to point towards. How'd they do last year on Thanksgiving? I was there, 36-33 Raiders. They are 31-21-1 and all time on Thanksgiving. I know I'm looking ahead. Um, this is an important game. And I am anxious, very anxious, and you should be too, to see what happens. How do they look to you? Do they look disciplined? Let's say four penalties, then you'll say on point, on point all week. 14 penalties, remember last week? Five 15-yard penalties? That shit can't happen. Casual routes, not crossing the face, that shit can't happen. It's all got to get cleaned up. And by this point in the season, you should be better than they were last week. I anticipate they will. Cowboys beat the Vikings 27-24. Then we will point to Thanksgiving and the New York fucking Giants. And this thing is still going to be really fun. For Off of the Helmets, I'm Brady Tinker. And for DSP Media, I enjoyed it. Enjoy your weekend. Happy holidays to all of you, and I will see you next Wednesday with our next version of Off of the Helmets.